2: Good afternoon everybody, it is the Steve Jones Show on the first football Friday of the year. Yes, I'm going to call it and declare it that even though we won't have more preseason football till next week. But it is a football Friday coming off the Hall of Fame game last night. And today's show, like every Friday show, brought to you by our good friends at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket, imports, domestics, micro brews, Best selection of beer anywhere, water, wine coolers, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. And the pickle bar led by the barrels and the dills. Indeed, second to none. All at Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, and Sunbury, the beverage supermarket and Steve will soon be joining us from the Sunbury Motors Studio as always Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai great selection of pre-owned inventory and that's all at Sunbury Motors 4th Street in Sunbury Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com tremendous sales staff And great service department, as always. So, with that Hall of Fame game last night, Well, before I get to that, big weekend for the Phils. With a four-game sweep and a come-from-behind win against the Nats yesterday, they go into this series with the Mets at Citizens Bank Park just a half game back from first place. So, a battle for first place this weekend in South Philly. Greg Murphy... From Phillies Radio, and of course, with our Glove Stories with Murph Podcast here at SBC Media Partners is going to join us at 335 today to break down the weekend coming up for the Phillies. And of course, we got the King at 435 today. But getting to the Hall of Fame game last night, a really, really solid debut for Micah Parsons. You know, sometimes whether you're a uh, first round pick, late round pick. You sometimes get that rookie wall, and I'm sure and it comes at all different times of the year maybe just one time, maybe several times but it hasn't come yet for Micah Parsons. He basically, to me, has picked up where he left off from the cotton ball. He was all over the place last night, made a couple of big tackles, had the fumble recovery on Mason Rudolph's fumble on the Steelers opening possession. I just thought he looked very comfortable. He looked very confident. He looked like himself. And that's a that's a tremendous start for the Cowboys, who need all the help they can get on that defense. And, of course, from an Eagles fan perspective, that's scary. And I knew that would probably be the case when they drafted him at 12 overall. But from the Penn State side of things, that's that's nice to see. We didn't see Pat Friermuth last night. He ended up not playing with that shoulder injury. He was... I guess a last minute scratch. I didn't and like I said to Steve yesterday, I didn't see him on the initial injury or um in, initial list of who was probably going to be inactive for last night but then I guess he was inactive when they finally came out. So we'll have to wait to see him maybe against the Eagles when they t- when the Steelers and Eagles take on each other in the preseason next week next Thursday at the link which will be the Eagles' preseason debut. Lamont Wade, I think, got some playing time last night. And if you, if you heard from Alex Kazora yesterday from SteelersDepot.com, he's been off to a pretty good start in camp, has that versatility that he's been able to show off so far, being able to play slot corner, being able to play safety, special teams value, all those types of things. So he continue to work on that. And Najee Harris obviously had a pretty good start you know, it got, was pretty limited from what I thought. I think he finished with seven carries, 22 yards last night, something like that. We he saw maybe able to push the pile to get a first down, a couple other good chunks of yardage here and there. And then as far as the quarterbacks go, I was not in, really impressed with either one of them, with either Mason Rudolph or with Dwayne Haskins. I get his first preseason game. You know, a, a lot of guys didn't play last night because it's a Hall of Fame game. But needless to say, I don't think it was a tremendous start for either one of them. But it was good to see football last night, Steve. And yeah, I, get, I thought the
1: Winnipeg uh, game with Hamilton was really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess at least there was some scoring. I mean, my goodness, I mean, did anybody get a field goal? I mean, well, great.
2: yeah, that that was pretty pathetic. But it was I just, mean, it was still good on. to watch it last night.
1: No, I was glad football was back. Like I watched um, probably the last six minutes of the first half, and the first four
2: minutes of the second half. Yeah, I watched a good chunk. I watched pretty much most of the first two and a half quarters. Yeah, no, I mean, so that's what with a little Olympics mixed in to keep the wife happy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just kind of relaxed last night. I, you know, when the show is over, I didn't, you know, a lot of times I'll go out and play around at golf or everything. I played a lot of golf this week, so I'm like, you know, and especially in the heat. In other words, when I go out in the evening and play, it's cooler or at least the sun's going down or whatever. You don't get, you know, but I played 18 holes of golf in the middle of the day, you know, two days in a row, so I was like, okay, uh, I need to, need a break. So I didn't do that last night. And I've got games for the next three days. So um, Josh Allen signed a six year two hundred and fifty million dollar deal. 150 million of it is guaranteed. Okay. Now Gable Stevenson did what David Taylor did. He won the gold at 125, and he did it in the waning seconds, 9-8. Okay? 9-8. The only reason he gets a headline is because he did a flip when he was done. Yesterday, ESPN, now I'll say this. Now, when is a bronze medal worthy of a headline? A bronze medal is worthy of a headline if Simone Biles does it because of everything she'd gone through deserving uh, and and then Allison Felix got a bronze medal that's worthy of talking about because it's her 10th she's 35 years old she started competing in Athens in 2004 she's 35 and is still the third fastest in the world in 400 now that's worthy of a headline because that's, that's remarkable. I mean, she had a, I mean, you're talking about somebody who had an emergency C-section, for goodness sakes. And thank goodness, I mean, her and her beautiful little baby are both doing extremely well. But, I mean, she has ten medals more than anybody in the history of track for the United States, being Carl Lewis's nine. Lewis sent out a really great tweet. Um... And Felix may get an eleventh. She's on the relay team. Now that's worthy of a headline. But yesterday, yesterday, David Taylor wins gold with in dramatic fashion. No story, no headline on ESPN.com, but the US women's soccer team won bronze. Okay, like see that see that guy over there? He actually like is at the top of the podium. <laughs> not the third step isn't is that worthy of the headline I realize this comes down to brand and the U.S. women's soccer team has a brand so that's why it gets mentioned over wrestling doesn't mean it's right and to be honest with you it doesn't mean at the end there may not have been more interest in what David Taylor did To be honest with you, there may have been more interest in in David Taylor and what he did, as opposed to, well, they can't win the gold and get stuck in a bad spot. Now, how about the United States women's basketball team? They're going to play for the gold. But did you see who they're facing?
2: That I haven't seen yet. Japan. Oh, yes.
1: Tom Hovas. Former Nittany Lion basketball player is the head coach of Japan. He was really of, in Bruce Parkhill's early years, he was the guy. Shooter, rebounder, three pointer, everything. Okay? Everything. And as as nice a guy on the face of the earth. Last time I saw Tommy, with he was with his family in San Francisco. I saw him. They were, in fact, they were going out to Alcatraz for a family out, you know, to uh, take the tour as a family. That's the last time I saw him, thrilled beyond words. What he has been able to accomplish, thrilled beyond words. That is, that is great. First time Japan's ever played for the gold. They get to do it at home, and Tom Hovass is about as great a guy as you'd ever want to see in the talk to in the face of the earth. So, I thought that was rather interesting. I got to tell you about Trumpka being a a, a Penn State grad. I got to tell you about holvas being a Penn State grad. <laughs> Am I the only guy around here that knows anybody?
2: No, I I knew about Hovas actually, because you had mentioned him once before earlier in the in the uh, in the tournament. But those should be two good games, and then the men got France tonight.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's on Peacock. So no, it's that that, that they, must, they must be in the witness protection program. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. I mean, it's on Peacock.
2: I mean, are you going to watch it? No, I don't have Peacock. Nobody does. I wish I could. That's the point. Exactly. That's the point.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And we're going to put Notre Dame-Toledo on Peacock, too. So that's that's great. (laughs) I, I cannot stand... I really, I cannot stand when they they try to force what they want to do on you. You already pay enough money every single month for these services. You already pay enough. I pay enough for cable. I mean, in other words, if you want to have it as a great add-on, You know, to supplement so you have streaming, great. I'm all for it. It gives more people a chance to watch. That's great. But, my goodness gracious. May I? Mean, I'm, my odds of uh, watching. Tonight we're limited anyway um, because I mean I've got a game so but we'll put it on Peacock really all right I mean it's at the point now with with them playing on the on the basketball team I don't even know who's announcing it
2: <laughs> that's I, mean, I don't even know who's announcing the bank thing do you. Nope, not one iota. Boy, that's a big word. What what university did you go to? <laughs> <laughs> I am a clarion grad after all and a proud clarion Ooh. grad because Beksad Abdurachmanov won bronze today too. In skateboarding? No, in wrestling. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Today's show is brought to you by Brewer's Outlet. In fact, when you call to order Peacock, make sure you have plenty of Brewer's Outlet right by your side. (laughs) Imports, Domestics, microbrews, Best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts, fresh it out every day. The pickle bar, led by the barrels of the dills, indeed second to none. Holly Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street in Sunbury. The Beverage Supermarket. Grosso, to make history for Canada, she does, Canada win the gold medal for the first time, Lindahl is beaten, Julia Grosso converts the penalty kick, Canada win 3-2 in the shootout after a 1-1 draw and for the first time in their history Canada win women's gold. That was for the top two spots on the podium, right?
2: That is correct, yes.
1: Just want to make sure. All right. Congratulations, Canada. It's our first one. And uh, Sweden probably would have been a slight favorite going in. But Canada played a great tournament, and they won it. So congratulations. And, of course, on penalty kicks. I mean, we well would just get to the penalty kicks. It would make the match shorter, don't you think?
2: Yeah, I don't think you need the second set of extra time, but yeah.
1: Just kidding. No, I'm talking about the other 90 minutes, too. uh... (laughs) It's like in hockey. Let's go to the shootout. Okay. (laughs) Uh... Today's show brought to you by... Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket. By the way, I have to remind you, six great flavors of slushies, too. At Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, in Sunbury, the Beverage Supermarket. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street, in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Keywords 11 and 15, Humblesworth, Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com. Well, in case you haven't noticed, and based on the attendance you haven't, no, I'm just kidding. The Phillies are a half game out of first place. to get the Mets this weekend. Greg Murphy will join us. We'll talk to him about that and glove stories as well as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet, Reagan Street, in Sunbury, the beverage supermarket. Imports Domestics, Microbrews, best selection of beer anywhere. Wine coolers, water, soft drinks, snacks. They roast their peanuts fresh and hot every day. Six great flavors of slushies and the pickle bar, led by the barrels and the dills, indeed second to none. We're heading into the upper 80s this weekend, into the 90s early next week, so stock up Now, Nothing like cold beverages on a hot day. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kier, routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Well, he hosts Glove Stories with Murph. Great podcast. And also is on the Phillies Network, Greg Murphy. Murph, how are you? Great to have you back.
0: Uh, great to be back Steve I'm doing great uh, excited for this weekend down here in South Philadelphia it should be a lot of fun
1: I want to just ask you about the podcast first then I want to get to the weekend uh, because uh, Jamie Moyer this week you've had on Doug Glanville you've had Chris Wheeler on Sarge has been on Danny Baker's been on what's it been like taking trips down memory lane with some of these people I know that you respect so much
0: yeah, you know what? It's been it's been so much fun, more fun than I even thought it would have been when we got this project off the ground uh, back there in April. Um, you know, getting to reconnect with guys that uh, some guys who I spent a lot of time with when you know you talk about Sarge and Jamie Moyer, and then other guys that uh you know i didn't spend as much time with i mean we've had uh, some of uh, you know uh, the marty bystrom's of the world and um we've had uh, some of the older guys in that 80 team be a part of the podcast so certainly kind of reliving their stories but also kind of reliving that great time in philadelphia uh, i was just a 10 year old kid watching baseball at that point but i certainly remember a lot of those uh, those great moments uh, that those guys delivered so it's been fun it's been fun doing the research getting ready for the podcast and then kind of listening to the guys tell their stories because you know what I, I, I think they all enjoy it I think they all enjoy kind of going back and, and, and reminiscing a little bit about the success that they had You know, not only here in Philadelphia but throughout their big league careers and uh, it's been fun it's been a whole lot of fun
1: and then one more on that before I get to the Mets and Phillies this weekend give me one moment where you learned something about your subject that you never knew before but surprised you?
0: It, well, it's funny. So you just mentioned Doug Glanville, and, and he was our guest last week. And I've, I've known Doug over the years. I, I covered him when he was here in Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, I've obviously gotten to know him when he's been back as a broadcaster with his uh, with his days with ESPN. But what I didn't know was he told a great story about when he was in the minor leagues. And he, he was struggling a little bit. He was struggling with this, the idea of um, – of having to come to the ballpark every day and and listen to this manager that he wasn't getting along with and and you know discuss baseball philosophies that he didn't agree with um, with some of the leadership and he got into an argument one day with his manager and his manager told him not only did he pull him out of the game he threw him out of the stadium he said just get out of here <laughs> you know don't go back to the clubhouse like, go home I don't want to see you and it was it was fun to to watch him relive that story because. At the time, he, it was he was really nervous that maybe his career was over that he had, he had gone too far. Um, you know, obviously Doug, a, a very a free thinker, a very bright guy, and he has his ideas of, of what he should be doing out there on the field, and they didn't jive with the guy that was in charge. But uh, but then you know, he, he, shortly thereafter, he headed off to for winter ball, and he played down in Puerto Rico, and um, he, that's when his career really started to take off. So. It was just a fun story to hear him tell it now, but you can imagine how he felt when it was happening back then. <laughs> that you know, this young guy that I just ruined my chances of getting to the big league. So it was fun.
1: All right, so the Mets and Phillies will have a three game will have a weekend set coming up. The Phillies have won five in a row. So this is after hovering around, one day you're below, one day you're even, next yeah. day you're above, then you're back below again. So what's been the constant during this five-game winning streak for the Phillies that has allowed them to, to now creep within a half game of the Mets?
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's been a couple things. I think first and foremost, the the star players on this roster are playing like star players. I mean, Bryce Harper has been hot for six, seven weeks now. He's inserted himself into the MVP conversation. Um, you know, uh, Zach Wheeler continues to pitch like the all-star that he was. JT Real Muto is heating up. Reese Hoskins is heating up. And, you know, these are the guys that coming into the season, you were counting on to to help this team, you know, win ball games. And at times during the season, each one of those guys were hot, but they weren't hot together. And I think we're starting to see that now, that these, this offense is starting to click a little bit big hits are coming and and the role players are contributing and I feel like they've been doing that most of the season but now you add it into the star power and you're getting a lot of runs and the other thing is I think there's a real belief down there that not only are they never out of a ball game which we've seen over the last couple of weeks you know these comeback wins I think it's 18 total now on the season but they also have this feeling that this division is theirs for the taking and and I think to a man now down in that clubhouse they they really believe that they can see it and um you know the last couple of seasons they've started off hot and they've faded well now they started off kind of slow and and have kind of built to this momentum here as we are in you know the beginning of august and i think they can feel it i think they can see the finish line and they're excited about it
1: yeah right now they're even in the win column they're actually one back in the loss column so that's where they are but they're 31 and 21 at home right now murph what has made them a good citizens bank park team
0: you know i they have been over the last you know year, couple of years they've played well at home and it's really been they've been so bad on the road that it's that's what's kept them from out, from being in the postseason over the last couple of years this year they're just kind of continuing that trend i mean that trend they they like playing here I mean obviously you have a little bit of, a, of an advantage although I will say that it hasn't been as electric at the ballpark as it can be, and hopefully we start to see that this weekend. But um, I think they just enjoy playing here. It's a good ballpark to hit in. Uh, the pitchers are comfortable here. And, you know, being at home is being at home. It, what ha- we're starting to see over the last month or so is they're starting to win on the road again. And they're starting to win not two or three games on a seven-game series, but they're winning four or five games on a seven-game series. And that's that's the big difference this year, I think. As long as they can continue that for the rest of the season, um, they're going to continue to win games at home. They, they play well here no matter who the opponent is. They, they, they just do, so that's a good sign.
1: All right, so tonight it's going to be Kyle Gibson on the mound against Marcus Stroman. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Kyle Gibson, uh, who's now new to what's going on here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so he made his first start. He was an all-star this year for the Texas Rangers um, yep. and uh, really, really pitched well right out of the gate for Texas. And uh, right before the trade die- deadline, he did stumble a little bit. He had lost, uh, I believe it was three games in a row. Um, he had a little bit of uh, trouble with his command. He was walking a lot of guys. But his first outing with the Bills as a starter was exactly what the Phillies hoped they were getting. You know, he was a guy that was all over the strike zone. He was challenging hitters. He's a guy that likes to, to get uh, early contact. Uh, he's not out there looking for the strikeouts. They'll come, right. but what he doesn't want to yeah. do is walk guys. And when he's doing that, he's getting a lot of ground balls, and that's when he is successful. And in his first start with the fills that's exactly what we saw. So, you know, that that's what you need to do in this ballpark, and that's what you need to do to be successful you know time and time again you don't you want to get guys hitting the ball on the ground you want them uh early in the count so you can stay in games he's also a guy that's going to eat up a lot of innings which is something the Phillies desperately needed so he's a really good fit and uh as long as he pitches the way he's been pitching you know early in the season and what we saw in his first outing he's going to be a really nice addition to this Phillies rotation
1: well, there's another part. This t- tells you a little bit about him. He may not be a big strikeout guy, but he has 99 strikeouts and he's only given up 97 hits. That tells yeah. me something.
0: Yeah. And the walks, too. And, and you know, he's had right. one or two he, he, games where, where the yeah. walks were around 7 and 8 in the game, right. which is an awful lot. But for the most part, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. So, you know, his whip, you take a look at his whip, which is a great number to look at for starting pitchers, and it, it's low and it, it's impressive. And that's that's the kind of guy you need, and you know the fills were desperate for uh, another arm that they could count on in that starting rotation, and I think he fits the bill really well.
1: How well? Uh, how do you feel they've done in terms of handling Stroman? This year,
0: not so not so great. <laughs> right. Early in the year, Stroman yeah. was was really pitching well, and he had the Phillies' number. Um, it, I have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure the last time they faced him, they handled Stroman pretty good. Um, yeah, but uh, but for the most part, you know, Stroman, Stroman really started the season well for the Mets and was was pretty dominant early on. Yeah, he was. Uh, hopefully, he's kind of come back to the pack a little bit. Um, I anticipate you know they're swinging the bats so well right now. Uh, You know, top to bottom, they're not chasing pitches. They're not going outside the zone. They're uh, not—they're not getting themselves out at this moment. So, if they can kind of keep that kind of philosophy going through this Mets series, I think they're going to have success against this Mets team, who are really struggling right now. This this Mets team is—you know—they're besieged by injury, as a lot of teams are, but they've also kind of haven't been able to find their way uh, over the last month or so, and uh, they've opened up the door for the other teams in the NL East.
1: Yeah, no DeGrom. I mean, that, that, yeah. I mean that's that, that's going to make a difference. And then, of yeah. course, a the guy, the guy that I keep an eye on here all the time because his dad played here at Penn State, uh, played football here at Penn State, Mike Conforto.
0: Um, sure. Wow, what a Mike, player he is.
1: <laughs> yeah, but he has really been – I mean, Mike's really been slumping, though. I mean, Mike only has, I think, like three hits in his last like eight games.
0: Yeah, and but it, it always seems as if he comes up with a big hit against against the Phillies, and I hope that doesn't happen this, you know, this time around. But uh, you know, we've seen how dangerous of a player he can be. Um, uh, you know, he, when he's not going well, sure, you know, that's just like any other ball player. You got to take advantage of the times when they're slumping. But Conforto always seems to have a big hit. Always seems to hit for power against the Phillies. Um, so hopefully, he'll carry that slump into this series, and and he'll be quiet because. You look at this Mets lineup, and it's a pretty good lineup. They have some thump. Yeah. They have some some guys that mm-hmm. can get on base. Um, so you just you just don't want to get them hot. You just don't want to get them get them going and starting to feel like you know what we're a better team than this team, and we're going to keep them at bay.
1: All right. So now let's get to the bullpen part for the Phillies. What are you seeing from the bullpen in the last two weeks?
0: They've been better, for sure. Um, you know, so many different guys in and out of that bullpen. you know, certainly the injuries have, have been an issue down there. Um, you know, they're missing Bailey Falter right now, missing Sam Coonrod right now. Uh, both guys are getting closer to getting back but not ready to go yet. And those are some big arms in that sure. bullpen. So they've asked other guys like Daniel De Los Santos to pitch some big innings. They've asked, um, you know, well, their their newest – guy Ian Kennedy in the back end of the bullpen to pitch obviously some big innings so over the last couple weeks I think they've been pretty good you know the, the the bullpen has had some ups and had some downs certainly this season um Hector Neris has seemed to have turned the corner as we've seen him do time and time again he has a real shaky period and then he's locked down for a long time so hopefully he's in that lockdown period at this point um bullpens are they're fickle beasts as you know Steve it's it's, (laughs) uh, you know and it's true across the league I mean all you have to do is look at the the Nationals um bullpen over the last four days and 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 what they gave up late in games you know seemingly every single night the Mets haven't haven't been different they've been giving up games late Braves the same way so bullpens are tough you just you just got to hope your starters can get you deep into a game and then you can rely on particular guys in the 7th, 8th, and ninth to get you through it. Um, so, I, is it perfect right now? Certainly not. But is it better than it was earlier in the season? Yeah, I think it is.
1: Are you surprised the Mets didn't do more at the deadline? There's so much in movement of big names, and they didn't. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it, it, I, I am surprised. I mean, they got Baez, obviously, which is a huge name. Um, yeah. And they got Rich Hill to help their starting rotation, although you know, when when the Rays are giving up on a starting pitcher, I I wonder you know, what do they know that everybody else doesn't because they always seem to know something Um, they they do such a good job down there so, yeah, you know, we were led to believe this season, coming into this season with the ownership change for the New York Mets that it was just going to be one big splash after another and it hasn't been quite that I mean, they've they've made moves, they've got Lindor certainly, um, and uh, you know, before the season and then they get Baez at the deadline, but you really thought, or at least I thought, there was going to be a lot more. You, you would think that they would have been um, in line to get Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, guys like that, um, and, and they weren't. They weren't really even in the conversation. So um, I'm a little surprised. You know, they've led the division for most of the season. Maybe they thought they they had enough to get it done and didn't want to mortgage the future. But you know, as we've seen, it's this is this division's wide open, and uh, there are a couple teams that are vying for it at this point. So it should make for a fun August and September.
1: Finally, let's set that up. August, September. Got the Mets right now. And in the next couple of weeks, they got the Dodgers. Okay. Reds, Arizona, (laughs) San Diego. But then, Murph, we get to September. Miami, Milwaukee, Colorado, the Cubs, Mets, Orioles, Pirates, Atlanta, Miami. What can this next two weeks do to set up September?
0: You know, so you talk about the the good teams that you're going to see coming up. You know, you mentioned the Dodgers, obviously coming in. The Mets are a good team. Then You've got the Dodgers. You've got Milwaukee yep. on the horizon. Those are those are good baseball teams. So Padres. I think, yeah. yeah, the Padres. Yeah, although the Padres are pretty beat up at this point, so right. they're they're not what they were. Um, so maybe you're catching them at a good time. However, you know, to me, those are the games, those are the series that you have to try to be right around 500 combined with with those teams. You know, if you're playing 20 games against teams with with a winning record, you know, win 10 of them. You know, if you can, win 11 of them. And then it's the rest of those teams that you mentioned that you have to do what you did to the Nationals, win three out of four, win four out of four, two out of three. Um, You know, we saw the Phillies – 10 falter, and they lost two out of three to the Pirates on that road trip before they got right. their act together. So they can't do that. That's the kind of thing down the stretch that they can't afford to do. What we saw in D.C., and I think they said it on the television broadcast yesterday, I think Tom McCarthy said it, they're taking care of their business. And that's that's what they have to do. Mm-hmm. They, they they met a Washington team that was down and uh, and they they kept them down. They, they went after it. They refused to give up. They won those games. And uh, that's why we're so excited about this series with the Mets because of what they were able to do against the Nationals.
1: It is uh, the great podcast, Glove Stories with Murph. I mean, Doug Lanville, Chris Wheeler, Gary Matthews, Dan Baker, Jamie Moyer, and of course the great job he does with Phillies Radio. Murph, thanks so much for everything. Appreciate you very much.
0: My pleasure, Steve. Great to be on with you. Take care. You bet.
1: You bet. Greg Murphy joining us. We'll come back with more in a moment. Sponsored by Brewers Outlet on News Radio 1070 WKOK Patronage.
0: Finnegan kicks the 1 1. Swinging a drive right, left center field. It's well hit. Yadiel Hernandez won't get it. It's going to the wall. One run will score. Harper flying around third. He will score, and Reese
1: Hoskins has come through. A two run double and a four run ninth inning. The Phillies lead it 7 to 5. Reese Hoskins. Was that from last year? It
2: was good. You were on a roll today.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, they got the big series coming up. Chance going first place. Uh, by the way, um, two uh, stories here in the last couple of minutes. One is um, Kawhi Leonard plans to re-sign with the Clippers. Uh, and then Justin Ross, who just was Electrifying. In the twenty nineteen college football championship game, um, uh, twenty eighteen college college twenty eighteen national championship game, he's electrifying. He's had a cervical problem, and. He has not been able to play. He has now been cleared to play for 2021. So that's that's good because he was electric in that 2018. A national championship game. And to see someone with that talent, that speed, knocked down like that. Um, And... uh, now Ross will be back to play for Clemson this year. I just think it's a great story. Yeah, does it make Clemson better? Of course it does. But you know what? You know, it doesn't matter. It's it's about, you know, the person. And I'm happy for the person that he'll be able to come back. Very happy. All right. Um, great to have you with us. Uh, next half hour, I want to get into something that we never, t- that we only allude to but never really talk a lot about with college football that I don't want to be lost because with all of this push toward realignment with Texas and Oklahoma with all the push for money, 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 money all the time, which obviously is important you know, I was talking to the suit the other day and I said money isn't everything and he looked at me, he said but it's way ahead of what's in second place he really is kind of a scary guy (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I'm on a roll. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, but we, I, I don't. There's I don't want us to lose stuff here. I don't want it lost.